Today I have the great privilege of starting a new series, a two-part series entitled Grateful. Grateful. I think it's important that we get a biblical perspective of what it means to have gratitude in our life. For you see, when I look at the cultural landscape around us, what I notice is that we live in a culture that's all about entitlement, selfishness, what can, what can culture, what can the world do for me, what can people do for me. It's about offense and grumbling. But I believe that God is inviting us to be different people. I think he's inviting us to be set apart, to not grumble, but to be grateful. And I want to explore what it means to have biblical gratitude in our lives today. I'm convinced that when we display gratitude, people are blessed and God gets the glory. I want to offer to you this one question and I want you to think about it as I talk today. When life shows up for you, what is your first response? Are you grateful or do you grumble? I'm not going to invite you to raise your hand, but I want you to do a self-check. When life gets difficult, when life gets challenging, when someone offends you, what do you do? do you, are you grateful or do you grumble? I want to encourage you that if you find yourself in a place where you're grumbling, God wants to work that out of your life. In fact, that's the title of my message today, Work It Out. God wants to work out of us ingratitude. He wants to work out of us these attitudes that get in the way of us honoring God and encouraging other people. Let God turn your grumbling into gratitude. With that in mind, I want to invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 15. Open up your Bible. Turn on your Bible app. Open up your Westover app. But before I get into the text today, I want to just give you a little bit of context about what's happening in the passage today. The Apostle Paul, he's at the end of his ministry. He's an old man. And he struggled after his conversion from Judaism to Christianity. He went out preaching the gospel and he was persecuted. He was put in jail. He was beaten several times. He was even shipwrecked. And so if there's anyone... In the, Old, in the New Testament, who has any reason to be complaining, to, to be grumbling, it's the Apostle Paul. But what he pens in this passage is he says, don't grumble, be grateful. Don't grumble, be grateful. Why does he do that? Because he realizes that other believers and even non-believers are watching his witness. Church, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. People are watching your witness they want to see how you behave when life shows up. They want to know, are you for real? In fact, this section of scripture is entitled, Do Everything Without Grumbling. Let's look at verse 12 together. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. God is inviting us. He's inviting us to work it out. Can I just challenge you today? Whatever attitudes get in the way of you living gratitude in your life, 
I'm encouraging you to let that go, to put it behind you so that you can advance into what God has for you. So today I want to share with you a couple ways to work it out. Number one, always obey. Always obey. Verse 12 says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, I love how Paul starts this passage. He calls us dear friends. He was telling the church at Philippi, you're my dear friends. And in fact, he's calling us as dear friends. I I can just imagine him putting his arm around us and saying, learn from my example. Don't grumble. Be grateful. He goes on to say, I've seen how you've obeyed in my presence, but now I'm inviting you to continue to obey God even when I'm gone. You know, in life, it's easy to obey when people are watching, but it's real difficult to obey when no one is watching. It's easy for us to slide into patterns that are unfruitful and that are unhelpful in our life whenever no one is watching. Now, parents, you can relate to this. If you've got kids, you know what it's like. You're constantly telling them, pick up your shoes, clean your room, put your clothes away. I find that when I'm a helicopter parent, my kids get stuff done. But you know what? I get exhausted from that. I don't know about you, but I don't like to do that. In fact, I just wish that my kids would do it. Don't you just wish that they would just step in and do the right thing? I think all of us can relate to that. In fact, child psychologists say that one of the most central developmental milestones from, for a child to go from a child to an adult is learning to own their life, to be in charge of their life, to realize that everything within their skin is their responsibility. In fact, the term for this is the locus of control. When a child is small, there's an external locus of control. The location of control is from the outside in. But when they grow up, the hope is that the locus of control goes to the inside, that the location of the control goes to the inside. It's called the internal locus of control. In fact, the Bible talks about this. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, it says this, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Some of us, we're relying on our bosses or our spouse or deadlines or punishment to be the thing that controls us when God is saying, I need to cultivate within you an internal locus of control. I want to entrust to you the responsibility for living your own life. God wants to accomplish that in us. You know, when I was growing up, my mom would sing a nursery rhyme. And when I was a little kid, I would sing this nursery rhyme, and I thought it was cute, until it wasn't. For you see, when your mom repeats the same little nursery rhyme when you're in middle school and high school, it's low-key annoying. You just don't want to hear it. But now as an adult, and especially as a parent, I find myself kind of whispering this song in my own mind and heart. I want to share it with you. Just one line, and I'm not going to sing it, I promise. The title of the nursery rhyme is, Oh, Be Careful. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. For your father up above is looking down in love, so be careful what your hands, little hands, what you do. What I've discovered in that little poem is this, is that 
It doesn't matter if you're in front of a bunch of people or if you're all by yourself. God is always watching. He's always paying attention. Always obey God, even when no one is watching. Be willing to say yes to him. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying in this passage. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, it's easy to obey God in church, but it's a little more difficult for us to obey God in the parking lot. You know, I've, st- I've stood out there and I've watched some of you and you're racing through the parking lot and you just, you know, you raise your hand and then when you get in the parking lot, you're tempted to honk the horn. I know. I want to suggest to you that I think the way we live our life Monday through Saturday is more important than how we live our life on Sunday. We must be willing to work out our salvation in the daily moments of life. In fact, this word work out actually means to refine. It means to purify. It means to make better. It means to continue to improve. Here's my question. What are you refining in private? What are you refining in private? For you see, what we refine in private gets revealed in public. Listen carefully. You can't grumble in private and be grateful in public. You can't curse people at home and then bless them at work. You can't be a heathen at home and holy in the world. The Bible says in James, it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Be willing to refine your character in private because eventually it will be revealed. The Bible says that what is hidden will someday be brought to the light. And some of us, we need to let God do some work in us. We need to have consistency in our obedience to him so that when that moment, the spotlight moment comes, we're not put to shame. The second way, the second way for us to allow God to work it out in our life is to let God work. We need to let God work. We need to give him permission to enter into our life and let him work. Some of us, we want a miracle in our life, but we say, God, no, 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 you can't get in that part of my life. That part belongs to me. Listen to what the word, this is what the words of the Apostle Paul, he says this, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I want to remind you, church, that God has a good purpose for you. Now, some of you, I know that you're in a place in your life where it seems like nothing is happening. I've been there. Sometimes I feel like, God, have you forgotten me? Are you even paying attention to what's happening in my life? Are you ignoring me? Sometimes I think that God, he's silent because he wants to see if I'm willing to let him work things out in my life. We need to let God work things out in our life. And I want to assure you that even if you don't see things changing in the natural, there are things happening in the spiritual because God is good and faithful and he's never seen the righteous forsaken and he's willing to not leave you or forsake you. He has your best interest in mind, but we must be willing to welcome him to work in our life. You see, God has to change us on the inside before he can transform us on the outside. The transformation has to start on the inside of our life. We must welcome him in. How does he do that? I'm glad you asked. It's by changing our heart. What the Greeks understood as will, 
The Hebrews, in, in, in the Hebrew language, it's the word heart and desire. I want you to listen to these passages. Luke 6, 45 says this, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, what, what's on the inside is what emerges on the outside. I sometimes think this is the reason why God allows things to jump out and catch your toe. I think this is one of the reasons why you stub your toe. And I think God allows that to see and to reveal to you what's on the inside. In fact, this morning, my son opened up a cabinet and I, I, I misjudged it. And I actually caught the cabinet door on my shoulder. And I went, mm. But I, I'll tell you what. I didn't say any bad words, and I didn't think any bad words. Praise the Lord, I passed the test. Some of us, we need to be mindful of what's in our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We must be guardians of the heart that God has given us. Psalm 37.4 says this, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I want to make this connection for us. Listen closely. Our delights determine our desires. Our delights determine our desires. What are you delighting in? What is the thing that you run to when life gets difficult? What is the escape for you? What is the thing that you find comfort in? Is it consistent with God or is it from the world? Some of us, some of us, we have the wrong desires because we're delighting in the wrong thing. You know, there's a statement in the culture that says, what the heart wants, the heart wants. But what happens when what the heart wants isn't what God wants? What happens when what the heart wants is what God hates? Things like pride and arrogance and greed and envy, even distraction. For me, one of the challenges that I have is sometimes I run to distraction. And there have been moments in time when God has said, Son, I need you to take a fast from the news. Take a fast from social media. Because for me, distraction gets in the way of my devotion. Sometimes we need to let God remove some things out of our life. We need to allow him to work. Here's what I've discovered. God can change your deeds when he's in charge of your desires. God can change your outward life when you're willing to let him change what's happening on the inside of you. In fact, this word act in the original language means an inner work, an inner change, an inner transformation. It also means energy. For you see, this word in the Greek is actually energon, which is the same word we, where we get energy from. Let me read this passage again for you with this word in mind. Verse 13, for it is God who works, puts energy in you to will, to change your heart's desire, and to give you energy in order to fulfill his good purpose. This word energy appears twice. God wants to put his energy within you, but we must be willing to let him work. Church, are you willing to let him work within you? Are you willing to let him transform you? Are you willing to let his energy into you? so that he can change your mind, so that he can transform your mind, so that then he can give you the energy to fulfill his good purpose. I don't know about you, but some of us, we want the miracle. We want the blessing. We want the very best that God has for us. But the truth is, we're still stuck in old patterns. We're saying, God, change my circumstance, but don't change me. 
I found myself there before. And often what happens is life gets difficult, life gets challenging, and then God says, are you willing to let me work it out? Are you willing to trust me with the difficulty? Are you willing to give me your bad attitude? Are you willing to give me the things that get in the way of my devotion with you or your devotion with me? Some of us, we need to let God do that in our life. We need to let him work. As I was thinking about this moment, what came to mind is some of us, we grumble and we grumble and we grumble and we grumble. God is calling us to be different. He's calling us to be grateful. But that requires him to transform us from the inside out. And so as I close, I want to invite you to stand with me. Can I just challenge you today? Don't grumble. Be willing to be grateful. Some of us were about to step into the holidays and the truth is we're going to be around family members, some family members we don't like a whole lot. But you know what? They need Jesus. And you can be the messenger of Christ's love to them. Be grateful. Hug them. Embrace them. Encourage them. Pray with them. Pray for them. Pray for yourself before you step into that moment. The world is watching our witness and they want to know, are we for real? Church, be grateful. Be grateful. What I sense in my heart for this moment is some of us, we've had a barrier in our heart to certain areas of our life. God wants to intervene, especially in the area of attitudes. So what I want to do is I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking. If you are here today and you find that a negative attitude is the thing that always creeps in, the thing that steals your joy, the thing that keeps you up at night, if you find that a negative attitude is the thing that's poisoning the well of your heart, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hands because God wants to set you free. One, two, three. Wow. can go ahead and put your hands down here's what I want to do I want to pray for all of you but here's what I'm going to invite all of you to do all of you all of us I want you to raise both of your hands everyone across the auditorium and if you don't struggle with a challenging negative attitude pray for the people who in this room who do and if you're here I want you to in this raising of your hands I want you to surrender that to God and let him work it out in you. Let him remove that negative attitude. God, we come to you. Some of us, we struggle because we grumble. We let bitterness and resentment and other negative attitudes like pride and arrogance and bitterness get in the way, God, of what you want to accomplish. And sometimes we're withholding blessing that is intended for other people, but also because of our negative attitude, we're withholding blessing from ourselves and from our family. 
God, I pray right now that your people, as they're here, that they would entrust those negative attitudes to you, that instead that they would embrace gratitude, that they would say, God, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my job, no matter how difficult it is. I'm grateful for my relatives, even though they're difficult sometimes. I'm grateful for the many things that you've given to me. God, you want to cultivate that within us, but you must be allowed to work within us to transform us from the inside out, God. You want to set us apart for your purpose. And I pray, Lord, that today that your people would set that at your feet. And God, instead, that they would embrace love and peace and joy. And Lord, as they step into the holidays, that, that, that those attitudes would emanate out of them, that they would communicate love and encouragement to the people around them, God. You want us to be different, not a wicked generation. You want us to be blameless and pure. You don't want us to do anything with grumbling or arguing. You want us to be set apart. And God, I pray that you'd accomplish that in the lives of your people. Accomplish it in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Praise the Lord.